What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Guys, a uh, very sad disclaimer to this episode. I changed my setup on my microphone and my headphones prior to recording this, and it absolutely did not record whatsoever my voice. So I will not be in this episode. Brad and Jaime will do a great job just carrying on, answering my funny jokes. I was hilarious, and it's not going to show, so I apologize. But let me go ahead and give you an intro. Hello, welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirit remains unbroken. I am still unbroken despite not being recorded. I'm your host, Blake Law. This is episode 63 of the podcast, and we are very happy you're able to join us. They say we learn the most from our losses, and that's exactly what this show aims to do. We're going to interview an elite player who has lost one to two games at a major event. We're going to change the script this episode. We're going to interview someone who played a lot of practice games leading up to ATC, lost a couple, but ultimately went 6-0 and at that event. And we're going to talk about how they learned from their mistakes in the practice games and how they applied that to their ATC this year. How often have you blamed a game on bad dice? I've done it. Brad's done it. I blame my mic daily for having bad dice. We're going to be talking about Tyranids and the practice games that our guests played into a multitude of different armies. Notably, we're going to talk about and hone in on his practice for Sisters, which he saw as a hard matchup going into the event. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the episode, despite me not being in it. Now, this is part one, so in this part, we'll be analyzing the game, talking about common mistakes, secondaries, target priority. Part two is available to subscribers at theartofwar40k.com. We'll be talking about the secondary choices. We'll be talking about the strategies, list adjustments, and the elite player mindset. My guest today is Brad. Take it away. We're going to talk a little bit about ATC, though. So, also, honey, where are you right now? This is a real I'm question. I'm in Boston right now. Okay. This, I fly to London tomorrow. Yeah. We have to ask these questions because we don't know where in the world you might I'm be. Over the place, <laughs> no, I'm not. I didn't cut it. Just say you didn't cut I'm it. Go, I'm going to the War Masters. Team Spins got a strong roster, dude. You guys, you know, I'm. They have. I don't know if a lot of people know this because they don't. You guys don't promote yourselves outside of the community. Spain has some of the biggest tournaments that are happening right now in the world. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. They've Especially like, team events. They rejuvenated their like the entire scene. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I talked to a couple guys quite frequently, and I'm so jelly because you guys run so many team events that yep. are. Big events, you know how big. I've already gone to three G, uh, GT team events this year already with with them. I have to do my my how. <laughs> well, I don't know what turned sound I could do. I think I have to stick to. It's just real. It's just slimy. <laughs> it just sounds slimy. <laughs> you know, that's you know, funny. One. I want to go back to this though. I want to go back to the Spain mojo. Yeah, because I do want to talk about it because. I think a lot of people, especially during and after COVID here, have super rejuvenated their communities. And there's a lot of young folk, Jaime included, that came out of the woodwork during these times. Like if you look at WTC, a lot of teams have completely different rosters Mm -hmm. than you've seen in previous years. And a lot of communities are so much better. I'm telling you right now, I keep prepping the boys about this for where we're going. Oh, yeah. Guys, 
you don't know these people because they don't internationally, they don't travel across the Atlantic to us. But there's so many big tournaments, so many way more team tournaments. And a lot of these communities, like you're like, hey, this this nation, this nation, oh, we, we beat them in the past. They weren't that good. Dude, things are so different right now. Completely different. It's it's a new slate for everybody, every team. It's because I'm going to the War Masters. Yeah, I'm going to the War Masters event, the singles tournament just before the team event. It, it's so it's such a big deal because a lot of these nations have, including Spain right now, have these huge tournament, like the scene, the whole community is such a big deal right now. I mean, you go from them. I mean, a lot of the, the people in the UK and stuff, you have these all these teams that have really slammed out games. And oh, they're yeah. so much better than they used to be. And I feel like, I really, I hope that we're not. But I feel that people like the internationally travel are taking like, oh, I'm going to be fine. You know, these guys used to not be that competitive or there wasn't that many players. And now like, it's so low key. You guys, I think, ran more big events than anybody else, except for... They, except for, I don't even know if it, you might have beat the States of us. Besides the States, I think like you ran more big events than anybody else. Though. I would, I would agree. I don't actually know. Um, I know that there's huge team events in Spain, especially Talavera that happens uh, closer to Christmas every year. It's a huge event. It's 800 players, uh, six man teams. It's huge. Talavera. Um, Dude, but don't, you know Talavera. what? I don't know. I, I really, really want Blake to rock this. I'm so excited but, that you got Jaime's name right this time. Yeah, you did. What was that? You're just going to put it into Google. T-A-L-A-V-E-R-A. Talavera. R-A, yeah. Talavera. There you go. There you go. The, oh, yeah. But uh, It's a huge event. 800 players. It's so big. I think the community's, like, right now, I'm super excited to talk about everything we're going to talk about because... I think there's more big communities that people realize. I love pulling them in, but also I think that the meta right now, and I'll fight you over this. I think the meta is in a great place right now, man. I agree. You know, let's talk about well, one. That meta is good. I mean, we've got a couple passive secondaries and Necrons and sisters, which feel a little bit wacky, but like it's still total playable. The big thing though is, and we'll talk about with this with your list. I feel like people started like writing off Tau and Tyranids. And I still think that they're two of the most powerful armies in the entire game. Oh, yeah. It, their secondary game of Tyranids went down a little bit, but the killing power didn't. Like, yeah. people just acted like, well, you're like, hey, man, you might not have a game left. You know what I mean? Like, I, if you don't so, have any models. <clears throat> before we start, disclaimer this list is not mine. I did not come up with it. I copied it from David Gaylard, who plays in the UK. He's a demon of a Tyranid player. And uh, I was trying to make my own lists. And I kept failing. And then <laughs> I see my friend Fuccini online. He kicked my butt with this list into my turn at list. And I was like, okay, I'll just play this. I made very small tweaks to just like a couple of things I wanted to have in there. And we'll go over them in a, in a little bit. But this list is not mine. It's his. So let's back down. I'm just going to read this bad boy off. So it's a Leviathan list. We've got three tyrant guard in the no force arc slot. Broodlord, Neurothrope, Winged Hive Tyrant. Weird. He took the Reaper of Obliterex. I don't think anybody's taking uh, off, off meta pick. Off is super off meta. So we've got three uh bleh, three units of warriors, nine, nine, and three. One of nine, the eight, three. Nine, eight, three, sorry. And one unit has triple venom cannon. We've got a Lictor, two units of Venomthropes, and Two harpies with the Stranglethorn cannons, not the upgrade. 
and they do have the voracious ammunition. And one has the synaptic enhancement, which I'm not going to lie, is one of the most, as a elf player right now, is one of the most terrifying things in the entire game. It lets them, they're synapse creatures. So he can literally go, the the neurothrope can literally boomerang a power from the backboard edge, basically, and sling it through Warrior's Hive Tire <laughs> Harpy, and then they cast on my backboard edge. Yeah, the one that's good into Eldar is Neuroparasite. It's a power where yes. if you roll over the toughness of the model, they take a mortal. So like your 10-man Hawk unit or whatever, it's just 10 dice, any 4+, plus, you take a mortal. And it's unlimited range at that point. If you're within 12 inches of the Harpy, and if the Harpy is within Synapse, which is 12 inches from Synapse to Synapse, which is super easy to do, it's... It's, it's, it's annoying. You all of a sudden you're like, who cast that? You're like that dude back there. He's 60 inches away. You're like, yeah. you're like, can I deny it? Is your deny range 60? And no. <laughs> it's super annoying. Yeah. And then of course the harpies. The harpies are so scary. I'm sorry, but like people wrote them off too. I have no idea what people were thinking. Flyers so are still insane. I'm running them with stranglethorn cannons instead of the heavy venom cannons because the heavy venom comes are super expensive. And it's low volume of shots. And like, yeah, they're still really good. But like, there's so much I wanted to put into the list. I couldn't afford the heavy weapon cannons. I can understand that. And the thing is, is that, man, the harpies with the, the Stranglethorn cannons, the flyovers and the psychics are, they can just cause so much damage. And when you fly them over and you're on your opponent's side, they have to do something about it. They can't sure. just like let them be there. So you know that you basically have a turn where the rest of your army's not getting shot as much mm -hmm. because people have to deal with the harpies. Like, it isn't, like for instance, Maldar, I can't just let two harpies just chill in my backfield. So you basically get to move all these warriors up, and I can't jump on them right away because I have to deal with my backfield. Sure. So uh, this was practiced for ATC, and I obviously had to practice against sisters because sisters were an army that everybody, every, everyone, everyone's team was going to have just because... They're a very good defender. They got really good secondaries. They play very passively. They're going to score the points and they can still do a ton of damage. So Brad was playing our sisters and he was running a battalion of Bloody Rose, as you do. He had a cannoness that he could get back up, could fight when she died, uh, could shut off Invons, a two box character that was very hard to remove, and then Morgan Val. Then he had two squads of Battle Sisters and a squad of Novitiates. Then he had a big squad of Sacrosants, Dialogus, Dogmata, eight-man Repentia, two five-man Repentia. Then one one big block of Zephyrim, two six-man Zephyrim, a Castigator, and two Retributors. And then two Rhinos. So a ton of units, ton and of combat. And he took the double the Rhino. Yeah, so he took a slight, slightly less Repentia and the double Rhino. So exactly. it is hard to get him off sometimes. And that, that army just does so much damage. The Morven Vol full rerolls is just buck wild. You have to oh, yeah. You can give full rerolls to hit and to wound, wound. to one of these units. Okay. It's it's a big deal, especially when you're looking yeah. at your, even your Leviathan uh, warriors. Because of the rerolls to wound, the fact that you're transhuman becomes a little less of a, of a deal yeah. because of that. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. And then these units have a ridiculous amount of attacks. Like these Sephiroth squads have 41 attacks easily, right? Like... I don't know if it's a strat that they have to do for plus one attack. I don't know if it's the well, they get, they get plus, they get plus one. I would say they get plus one for charging, but you can also just put the chant on them for plus one attack. <laughs> so it gets like 41 attacks on a medium sized squad. It doesn't even have to be a full man squad. And it's four rolls to hit, four rolls to wound. You can do plus one a wound for a couple CP. 
less if you have a priest nearby. It's it's brutal. And they'll eviscerate anything in the game because they're AP4. And if you think you have an invon that kind of just advances out of a right, like a forward to be within three inches or six inches if you use a six in the Miracle Dice to shut off your invons. And like, Word of the Emperor is big. It can make just yeah. huge combats just go away. You know, you have to save her. It's just so crazy. <coughs> and she has a fight last. In case you think I was say, she also has a fight last. She's, she's a big deal. <laughs> she so. is a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. But this was a matchup that I really needed to practice because I knew it was likely that like I was going to play into at least one sisters at ATC. And we played a bunch of reps. So I picked up Nids a week before ATC. Ouch. So I had to grind the games. <laughs> and I lost pretty much every single one of my practice games until like it clicked. And then I started winning a couple of them. Um, but this game, we played the scouring. Uh, at ATC, the terrain was player placed, player optimized. So what that means is you place the terrain on your table half once you know what side you're deploying on, and you alternate deploying pieces. And terrain overall was decent at ATC. Like there were some gimmicky things that we were able to do with some of the big bases and so on. But overall, hey, I think <laughs> I'm going to throw this out here because I thought this is the weirdest shit ever. So at ATC, I, I wish I they could see me because I'm definitely talking with my hands on this one. They had GW-sized base, like ruins, but they made they restricted you on your player placement because they were so big. They said you could only had to worry about the wall-to-wall when you were playing four and six inches, but the base actually is still obscuring. Obscure. So you could touch, yeah. literally, you could tip to tip, <laughs> just the tip. Yeah. And you could literally make giant blocking pieces of yeah. it was so wacky with that. It was wacky, and it was it was kind of silly, especially for some armies like orcs. Damien loved doing it. He just moves up his arm into the center of the board behind two huge pieces of obscuring terrain that are touching, so there is no way to shoot him. But you had to, you had to sacrifice a lot where the terrain went. But if you didn't care about terrain, if you didn't care about playing objectives, you just wanted to rush your opponent. It was ridiculous. But we didn't do that when we're doing the practices because we didn't know if it was actually be allowed or not. And we were playing the scouring. And at this point, we were playing like two sisters games, and Brad had like a perfect plan on how to eviscerate me. The biggest threat for the sisters were the harpies. So I've got two harpies in the list. I don't know if we mentioned them or not. Yep. Oh, yeah, we did. One has versus ammunition, the other one has synapse. The other thing about synapse on the second harpy is it gives the other one uh, imperatives. Imperatives only work if you're within six inches of something that has synapse. So those harpies have to fly around together. By the way, if you play against Tyranids, kill the one that has synapse first, because then the other one loses the end. Huge deal when you're shooting at a minus one to be hit, transhuman, four up in one fly. Like it's it's a pretty big deal. But the big thing is is that you lose defensive power on the other harpy. Yeah. So whenever you're playing against Tyranids, find which unit is the linchpin for the synapse chains. And you can if you kill that unit, the units around it lose synapse. Which is huge when you're trying to kill the Germans because they have so many buffs that go through synapse. It's ridiculous. It, that's exactly what it is. You kill the synapse monster, all the other little bugs are running around like crazy. They, it's super they cool made them pretty, they, they're a little OP, but they are really, really cool. Uh, when as they, far as. Yeah, when they removed the adaptation that you got to select at the start of every game, that kind of stuff, because that was also very fluffy. It was just like adapting your food. You, you mean you, you mean the fact that your adaptive physiology isn't adaptive? <laughs> yes. Lofty <laughs> physiology. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, why makes- the why the double venoms? What, what did you decide on that? So the double venoms, I was told to put them in. And I was told to put them in because they let me spread out the minus one to hit aura. 
So I only have to expose one. It lets me chain them around because I've got pretty big blocks of warriors that need to be protected. Second reason was that they have two abilities. One is on a three plus to make you fight last. And then the other one is on a four plus you can't fall back. So one is 66% chance, one's 50% chance. But because it's a, it's a roll, if you fail it and you have a second unit in range, you can do it twice. So now it's like a 90% chance of making you fall back, of, of making you fight last and a 75% chance of not letting you fall back. So it's doubling up on that ability. Well, they're also, like, I think people forget because they don't get into combat with them that often. Those guys are nasty in combat. Five attack siege, hitting on threes, auto wounding on twos against anything that's like not a vehicle. Right. I mean, it's, it's just legit. All of a sudden, you're like, wait a second, who attacked me? Is that the Venom throw? It's like, yeah, so it's man. Attacks, if you want damage on. Yeah, you're about to get killed by random guys. So they're four uh, wounds each. T5, they fly. They always manage one to be hit because of their own aura in shooting. You charge them, they might make you fight last. Like it's it's not nothing for 100 points, 105 points. <laughs> I just I think that Blake's house just got uh, uh, robbed right now because they just heard noise and someone walked through the background. And they're always like, oops, one camera. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, we're not doing that till later. That's after hours. So Tell me what the general strategy was. You going into sisters? Like, what's your overall Rush. plan? We're just Rush. we're ru- rushing, blocking out the back, making sure they're not getting random stuff behind and just crushing. No, no oh, just full rush. Oh, you're just full rushing. Yeah, it's it's very brain dead. Just rush everything. Every unit needs to be as forward as possible together, so they don't can't hit you on flanks. If you start spreading out, that's where they can start trading up. And then what I learned from that practice game was that one unit of Repentia and one unit of Zephyrim will kill a block of Tyranid Warriors if they have their full buffs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, rerolls are such a big deal. Rerolls, if they don't get the rerolls, it's a huge deal uh, because yeah. you can just pick those units up because they end up just wounding but not killing. But yeah. those full rerolls are huge. And how many points is one of these big units? of uh, Zephyrm. One of these big units of Zephyrm is 125 points for the the 8 or 9 man, right? So, And my warrior box is 300 points each. So 125 points of Zephyrm and 70 points of Repentia will kill 300 points of warriors. And what I learned from that matchup was I have to whittle down all those units as fast as possible, because then the rerolls and the strats aren't worth it, or as efficient. You can't ever have 41 to 51 attacks with full buffs. Like if they've got 20, it no longer kills as much. And and that makes a huge difference. Um, well, so tell me about this Lictor. Why why not like it just a double biovore or something? Banners. He moves just 10 banners. inches. He can move to the center objective. The center objective is over six inches from the deployment zones, always. So he needs something that moves at least seven inches, and he was the cheapest thing. Uh, he has an ability where if he's in terrain, he can't be shot unless he's with, you're within 12 inches. 12 inches, yeah. He can hold an objective. He goes up. He has a five-up in one, minus one to be hit. He's damaged two, high AP. He's, he's, he's a really good stat line for a single model. And I actually like him. I like him still. I think he's underrated to a lot of people. Bitch, yeah. He didn't get any worse. It's just everybody's like, oh, he can't R&D anymore. I'm like, but he can do a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. So like, You never R&D with this list. You never engage. You do all the secondaries that I always took were banners, interrogate. Even if they had psychers, I took it against Thousand Sons when they have the 369 because it cost them a CP. I did banners, interrogate, and then whatever my opponent gave up, either no prisoners or assassinate, something, something like that. I see. I mean, banners is just an auto. But you basically banners, psychic, and something else for tunas. Yeah. It's, it's, that's the funny thing is, is that the army is still crazy. Like the damage output of this. I think people 
forget when eight or nine warriors hit you, shit goes sideways. Oh yeah, these are these are four attacks each. You can spend plus one one CP for plus one attack. Go to five attacks, hitting on twos with direct guidance is the one trait I have on the tyrant. Reloading ones because of the tyrant, and then strength eight, AP two. The brood lord gives me extra AP on sixes to wound, like, and they're all damaged too, right? So it's he's such breaking attacks. And um, nine, eight, and three. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and they can take a hit as well. Push him. Yeah, so we we're talking about it before. It was uh, we were playing on the scouring and. For me, this mission is really good because all the objectives are very close together. He has to move up. There's nothing in his backfield that he can hold and score for primary. I've got a huge obsec advantage because my warrior bricks is so big and my bases are so big. I can I can block off the entire objective, right? And he only has three obsec squads. And because everything's so close together, I'm gonna advance forward and I'm gonna be able to hit all those objectives on turn two. So I think I I went first. I advanced everything forward. I used the harpies to chip some models here and there. I focused the Repentia, which was a mistake. The Repentia are irrelevant. You have to kill the Zephyrin. They're the ones with the volume of attacks. They're the ones with strats. They're the ones that move 12 inches and can hit your flanks. The Repentia just hit whatever's in front of them. And you can control what they can hit. So turn one, my tiger party was wrong. And then I advanced turn one forward. Everything. Everything in the open. Doesn't matter. You can shoot me with retributors. They're also inefficient into hitting on fours, wounding on fours. Minus one damage, five final pain, five final pain, uh, five up in one five final pain. It's it's almost irrelevant shooting, right? So the only thing that matters is their combat. And then what he did on his turn one is on one side he moved a block of the sacrosants with the fight last cannons, and he just did a little like pedal like formation where you have the cannons in the middle. She can make any one fight last that comes in. And then on the other side he put a couple of squads of repentia and some offsec. And I make the mistake of going to the Sacrosants when they're in cover and they can use their minus one to be hit shields. If I don't have full boss in that squad, I didn't do the math and it turns out that you bounce off them just because they're really freaking hard Invons. to Invons, right? Minus one to be hit. It's a lot of models. And on the other side, it was fine. I just cleared that objective. But I left too many gaps in my lines for those fast-moving 12-inch Zephyrim to hit my weak spots, and I lost the game on turn two because I was rushing the wrong places and leaving gaps that I didn't, I didn't see, and I didn't think he was going to go for. Because again, stand up. Do what? No. No, we'll not start. enough. No, you're fine. No, we, we, we started talking, but we, we sidetracked. Yeah, we, we literally, yeah. I, I was here on a, on a, with no adult supervision, so of course I sidetracked. Yeah. <laughs> so which turn? After turn two. So like, I, I'd gone in, I bounced off the Sacrosans, and the other objective was fine. I exposed a bunch of holes where he could send a Zephyrim into my Warrior Brick, as well as engage the other one, make it fight last, send Val in, all the little characters that do a decent amount of damage once you start activating with all of them where I can't interrupt. And he went into his turn two, and the, the, the big squad of Zephyrim going to my Warrior Brick with full buffs hurt a lot. And I didn't expect that because I hadn't chipped at them. I had a couple opportunities to chip. I was killing Repentia because I thought I didn't want to charge them and then fighting on death. But like, if they don't have full rerolls, they don't have their buffs. Like, they're not that dangerous well, they're, into warriors. Well, they're, they're both. The thing is, is you have to pop the strat at least for them because they are doing two damage on the Repentia and they do have a crap ton of attacks. Sure, depending on who gets the buff, of course. Sure, but if I charge in, I can have another squad like the Venoms tag multiple Repentia, have the warriors on one end, and I can control how many can fight. Right. So that's something in my control. What I can't control is what he does in his turn. And it really hurt when he went in. 
and he, can also, he extends so far out too, especially with the fact of a 12 inch move. Plus, of course, Miracle Dice possibly making exactly. a 12 inch charge. He can get very yeah. basically wherever he wants. Yeah. Uh, the the funny thing is, is the Venoms are actually disgusting against the Mapacha. Mm-hmm. They're <laughs> really they, good. They do because they have basically no save and then a final pain. Mm-hmm. So you just can effectively pick the whole squad up. They fight on death, they'll kill the Venoms, but still, it's they kill the exactly. Venoms, so, so right. what? Or if even uh, they might not even kill the Venoms, right? They're two wounds each, T5. Like, damn. Yeah. And the Venoms also, when they make you fight last, you take a mortal. So, like, that kills a repenting. I was just saying, yeah, that kills a repenting also. <laughs> In a different phase, too. In a different phase. Yeah. yeah. So uh, those battles are great. But like in that game, I just didn't expect for things to go wrong so fast. And like if that wasn't the first time I played against Sisters. I know exactly what they can do when they turn up their power. But like when you're playing super aggressive, you forget about your defense, if you know what I mean. Like you forget yeah. what, like, you know, so screens, who needs to be protected, where your gaps. Like I left. I had Venoms, Venoms, Warriors, and like a three-inch gap in between both Venoms where you could just go right into the Warriors. And I was like, well, mm, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. like, you just hear open door policy there? Yeah. So that was, <clears throat> it's like, just come, come in, just come in. You can't tell me, kill me. Tell me about how you felt with just having the one hive tire. Now, for anybody listening on this, the new after the balance state updates, they said that Hive Tyrant had to be your Warlord, and if you lose your Warlord, you don't get Synaptic Imperatives anymore, which are a huge deal to the army. Uh, you're running one Hive Tyrant, so that means he has to be your, your only Warlord. He is a monster, but being a monster sometimes gets you killed. Yeah. Did you have any problems with that over the course of ATC? Yeah, a ton. I lost them, I think, four out of the six games, um, at least on turn three. <laughs> no matter. I, got, I got lucky there. Um, it didn't matter for one of my opponents. We were playing the the mirror matchup, and he lost his tyrant on a turn that like was very very unfortunate. He was winning the game on the, that. Let me flip it. But the reason why I don't play the double tyrant, which is what people people are doing, you run like a, a gun tyrant in the back, who's your warlord, and then the flying tyrant that could just go out and die, is because of CB. You have to take a second patrol to take that tyrant. You're probably gonna spend a relic. Uh, CP, so like now you spend three CP and I start on three, so I start on zero. And I did not feel comfortable playing the list, especially because I had had no reps whatsoever on it. And I wasn't going to be able to play as many games as I wanted to. So I felt the CP was necessary to compensate for my mistakes. Like if I'm out of position, I need to be able to do minus uh, minus one damage on the wars, and that's a two CP straddle of the big squads. So the only reason is CP, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable to run the double tyrant. And not I can understand that. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of armies that. You just need to have a few CP to make the army work, especially if yeah. you have been playing a ton with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that's a big deal on that. And it's it's not like it's hard to put the second tyrant in because I've got the Broodlord who's there for interrogation. Because the the Nero is there to do the buffs, the tyrant is there to do damage. So I, someone has to interrogate, and the Broodlord can forward deploy. He can take the three six cast from the Nero every command phase. So he's 120 points or more. And then, like the Lictor, 70 points. That pays for a tyrant, right, with minor changes. So it's not hard to put it in. It was just the CP. I, I need a little bit of wiggle room. I can, I can understand that. But what, what I do want to know is over the course of. <sighs> you know, <laughs> why? Why? Knocked it right out of the park, baby. Um, the, 
MVP was probably, I have to say the nine-man warrior break because it is ridiculous how much they can tank. Like, it's not okay. <laughs> These things are minus one to be hit, transhuman, minus one damage, five up in one, five up in one. Fearless, three wounds each. Oh, you forgot, forgot OPSEC. <laughs> OPSEC. Just in case. Just in just case, case you're wondering. Just in case. Right? I, I have killed eight before and just went, so um, you're still taking my objective, huh? Awesome. As <laughs> like they're not running away. Yeah. We maintain synapse. Like it's, it's so insane because they shoot very well because they six of them have death spitters, which is strength five, AP two, damage one. And then three of them have venom cannons, which are eight minus three, two, D3 shots each. It was a huge volume shots you put down for that. They move seven inches with adrenal glands. You advance them. You always CP reroll the advance. Like you need a four plus, like you need to move as fast as possible. That's one of the reasons why I want CP, like a one inch advance can really, really hurt, right? Like you need to be as far forward as possible. So you advance forward, you cast, you cast onslaught. So now they ignore the penalty for advancing. They shoot you with their 20 something shots and then their 3d3 heavy venom, the venom cannon shots and then they charge you and then you can't kill them and then they charge you again. Like it's, it's so much. And then for the chopping block, probably either the Broodlord or the Lictor, but a second psychic has to come in. So what you could do is drop the Broodlord, put another Nero in, because then I don't have to spend a CP on having the double three six cast, because each Nero already comes with it. And then that could be one variation for a psychic, or you put the Tyrant in with a heavy with the relic of heavy venom cannon, which is damage five for Chad go it, baby. Yeah, so good. It's, it, he's really cool. Just because like now you can like threaten the night at range. He can't be shot as long as he's within three of the time guard. I can he's see a that. warlord. He can still interrogate at twenty four inches, right? Like it's and he ends up being there for part of the game, anyways. Yeah, effectively two turns. He's going to be just randomly in interrogation and shooting range in the first place. Really, and he's still T eight. He's still a four up in Vaughn. I think he has a two up armor. Two up armor save. <laughs> two up armor save. <laughs> Yeah, like he's not easy to kill, right? Like it's, he, he ain't trying to hear that say. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Um, but I just dropping the lictor makes me uncomfortable because I did struggle to plant banners. But it doesn't matter if you table your opponent; you just plant banners on their objectives, right? Like, <laughs> like I don't know. I I gotta play more games. I haven't played any more since ATC, just because I've got to paint. I borrowed a lot of uh, prices models. And uh, now I have to build a big mount. So I'm, I'm looking at them right now. I'm half-assed painted models for WTC. No, he, he'd, um, he's a guy from Atlanta. He's he's played Tyranids for longer than I've been alive. And uh, yeah. Well, it's not that hard. You're not very old. No. <laughs> it's a baby. It's definitely yeah. hard. I could get behind that sticker right there. Because uh, the two, the banes of my existence as an elf player are uh, Harpies and the uh, stupid Tau Flyers, Sun Sharks. I've- I have to change my MVP. The MVP was the spore mines that the harpies poop out every turn. People forget about that. They're so annoying. <sighs> Into like Eldar, Harleys, yeah. sisters, anything that's one wound. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, and like- I rolled. And then you're going to die to spore mines. I'll kill one of you to spore mines. I promise. Just I only spore mines too. Way above average. So spore mines on a two to four do one mortal wound, but on a five or six, they do D3. I don't think I rolled any two to fours. <laughs> it was either ones or five or sixes. It was obnoxious. It was oh man, those spore mines. I used to run a three-man biowar squad because they pump out D3 spore mines each. So it's three, it's a squad of three D3. Anyone on the table, pretty much. That's how six inches. So you just start racking up spore mines behind the wall. Especially in WGC where you have all of these like 
weird angled walls where you have to go very far to get a shot in. Just, you know, put nice behind that wall. Next turn, they're advancing into you and exploding. They're just like it's so irritating that they're just there. It's so yeah. you know, before we end part one and go into the brand thing, I need to know why did you choose so many short people for your ATC team? I mean, it was a very underheighted team. Bunch <laughs> of short guys. I mean, it was ridiculous. Because right. we're you know, I was working for Willy Waka. You just short as Stephen 40k, yeah. We're trying to get our opponents to let their guard down, right? We don't want to intimidate them more than show up to the table. Yeah. So we took the most friendly looking, least intimidating guys that we could find. I think what is your average height in your team? Like six five? <laughs> Thomas pulls up the average pretty yeah. high. Yeah. Okay, he's <laughs> only if they have tearaways. They gotta come in with the tearaways. You gotta break away, baby. Nice. Oh, what an yeah. honor. What an honor. And I cheated the way in this time. <laughs> yeah. So. And I'm, I'm very bummed that I just realized that you sent me the uh, best the list, and instead I dug the list up from BCP. <laughs> Didn't even realize they're just standing right in front of me. I'm old. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.